Um, greetings to you all. It's a, it's a privilege to, to be speaking to, to such an august body, Doctor of Ministry students, and, uh, you know, it's an honor to, to really stand here and, and do this. Now, I want to start off by, by talking about a, you know, something that's happened recently, just last week, actually. Uh, got a message on Facebook, Facebook Messenger. And it's a young lady who sent this message, says, hi. Um, and she introduced herself. I won't tell you her name. Then she says, I'm looking for a mentor to help me make the right decisions on my way to greatness. And I'd like you to be my mentor. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been working with my wife, and we're, we're, we're working with this young lady. But uh, this really got me intrigued. She wants me to be a mentor to make the right decisions on her way to greatness, on her path to greatness. And I said, okay, I think it's something that maybe I could do, but I'm not sure she, she fully understands the path of, to greatness that I understand. And if, um, if I start talking about this way to greatness that, that, I, that I know from the scriptures, maybe, you know, it might really just, she, she might not be ready for what I'm talking about. So we'll talk with her, we'll work with her. I've got some friends in Zimbabwe who I would want to, to work closely with her just to find out exactly... This is a person I've never met, and um, she wants me to do this. So I see it as the Lord bringing her to, to, to us, and we see how we can, we can help there. But this, this just illustrates for me the issue of, of greatness, the word greatness. And many associate leadership with greatness. And um, in fact, we find the apostles had this understanding of leadership. So, let's, let's get to the story that we've just read, Luke chapter 22. And the, we are at, at the supper. This is the last supper, the night before the Lord is on the cross. And at the table, the Lord begins a conversation, and he starts saying that, you know, I've wanted to, 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 to have this meal with you before I suffer. And um, then he says something. He says, the next time, something, something to this effect, the next time I have this meal, it will have found its fulfillment in the kingdom. Now, you need to understand something here. When the Lord said, it's found its fulfillment in the kingdom. There's something that happens in the minds of the apostles. Because there was a theological era that was going round during that time. And in fact, the theological, the accepted theological position was that the kingdom was coming and the kingdom was a political kingdom. And actually, when the Messiah comes, he's going to overthrow the Romans. 
So the moment he says it finds fulfillment in the kingdom, they are beginning to say, okay, the next time we have this meal, it will find fulfillment in the kingdom. Which meal are they having? They're having Passover. Passover happens once a year. So what they understand is by this time next year, Jesus will be king, who will have overthrown the Romans, and we are going to be having this meal together by this time next year. So I want you to, 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 to think about that perspective as, as this conversation. You see, we, 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 we don't fully understand some of the conversations that happened on that last night. The apostles had no idea, no idea what was about to happen. They, in their minds, they were seeing the Messiah, in fact, Jesus had agreed that he was the Messiah. You remember when, uh, when Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Wow. So he's agreed. He's the Messiah. So... In their minds, what's about to happen now is Jesus is going to be king very shortly. In fact, let's, let's, let's roll back a little bit. The week, the week that has just transpired and what has just happened over the week. And um, in fact, as the week began, we have James and John, as they're going into Jerusalem, they did something. They took him aside and they said, we want uh, one on the right and one on the left. And um, when you get into your kingdom, one of us on the right and the other one on the left. So this conversation had actually started already about a week, about a week before. And then, the, you know, if you remember what the Lord said at that point, he said to them, you know, this is not for me. To, to, to decide. It is my Father in heaven who will make that decision. In fact, <laughs> he, is, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So they didn't know what they were asking. And he says, you, you know, you, you, you don't know what you're asking here. And uh, can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And they said, Yes. <laughs> um, they've got no idea what's happening here and they begin a fight this is the night before the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be crucified and the conversation at the table is who is the greatest a big fight starts and basically, this sums up to me how humans or how we operate as human beings. You see, um, they were now beginning to see themselves in a new political dispensation. And they were seeing themselves as the political leaders 
of Israel. And what happened is what all politicians do, and they do it very well. They fight. And the fight started on the table. Who is the greatest? Theological misunderstanding. One of the things that I, is, that I have a passion on is, 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 is the, you know, to, be, to be accurate in the things that we teach. Because if you teach something wrong, if you just miss it just by a little bit, that's all that's needed, just a little error. So these apostles had this theological misunderstanding and um, the whole nation was lost. The awesome responsibility we have when we teach the word of God to be accurate, to be right on track because that whole group, that whole nation had lost it. So Jesus' leadership was undisputed. He was the Messiah. He was the king. He had been received as the Messiah by the nation. And um, as far as they were concerned, you know, this is it. The nation had, uh, had said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they had received him. And as far as they were concerned, wow, this is happening now. And greatness was about to happen. And greatness for them would probably look like um, palace and uh, maybe a few... You know, of course, Jesus is going to be the one there, but uh, who's going to be king? But let's, let's talk about vice, uh, vice president. Uh, you know, let's, let's talk about who is going to be the vice here. And because uh, it's not clear exactly how, how, how this whole kingdom is going to, to work out. And there are perks that come with being vice, you know? You know, you, you don't just be vice. Uh, yeah the perks that come with it. And maybe they're even talking about, about uh, jobs. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe somebody is saying, Matthew, Matthew, you, tax, ta tax is your thing. We, we'll need to have taxes, and uh, we think you'd, you'd, be, you'd be good. We'll give you that. Simon, the Simon, Simon the Zealot, yeah, Minister of Defense, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, so maybe they're having these, and maybe Simon is saying, "Well, you know, I don't know. You know, if we are going to, if we're going to overthrow the Romans, we need to strategize here, and we need to think about how we're going to do this." And uh, maybe he's thinking, "Okay, you want to make me defense, uh, whatever? Respond, give me the defense post portfolio. Maybe I should actually be the the vice. You know, so, so these are the fights." that are happening on this table. And the thing that the Lord says is something that I would like us to, to focus our minds on. He says, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over the people and they call themselves benefactors. Some versions would say um, they are called benefactors. 
And he says, this is, it should not be so amongst you. But the one who leads should be like the youngest. And if you want to be the greatest, you should be the servant of all. The leader, like the youngest, the greatest, like the servant of all. But let's, 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 go, let's go into this, this idea of benefactor. Because there's something that, that I'd like us to, to really think about. When, when he says, this is, you see, the, the kings of the Gentiles, they lorded over them. How do they exercise leadership? They lord it over them. They, they, they are the one, you know, they, they, they are, it's, it's a word, it's, it's an oppressive master, servant, they are the masters and they lord it over these people. But on what basis do they do that? They are the benefactors. Right. This word benefactor, it is somebody who does something good for you. Something, somebody who does something for a cause, somebody who helps you, somebody who makes things possible for you. And how these leaders exercise this authority is, this is what we have done for you. And on that basis, they get their legitimacy. You see, we need to understand something about the way the world works. Sometimes we, we are naive, and what was happening with the disciples here or the apostles is they were seeing themselves as the benefactors of Israel. They were the ones who were going to bring liberation to Israel. On what basis were they thinking they should be vice president and so forth? Because they are the associates of the king. So they would present themselves as the ones who brought you liberation. The ones who helped you become what you are. And then on that basis, they then exercise their authority. So the apostles are not even thinking about the nation at this point. You need, to, you need to understand that. What they're thinking about is actually they have got themselves into the gravy train. <laughs> they, <laughs> they have made it. So they are not thinking about what God is doing. You see, when, when Peter, when Peter, when Peter's um, made the confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Lord Jesus Christ then says, began to explain that he was going to suffer and he was going to die. And, the Peter, and Peter then takes the Lord Jesus Christ and he tries to actually correct his theology. He took him there and he says, in fact, it says, the scripture, if you read Matthew 16, he says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, never, it will never happen to you that way. Peter, you see, because in Peter's mind, Messiah, suffering, dying, those two things don't, they don't, they don't go together. 
greatness of the Messiah and suffering and dying. No, no, no. These things, these things don't work together. So, um, the, the thing that, that then happens is that as the Lord begins to explain this, that you um, need to become the youngest. The youngest is the one who is not duplicious. You see, okay, so, sorry, let me go back to that, that story where the Lord then ex- says to, to Peter, um, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but it's actually human. You have, the th- you have in mind the things of man. What you are thinking about is just at a human level. You are not thinking at the level of what God is doing and what he wants to do. So, what is the youngest like? Or what is a child like? A child is unassuming. In fact, you don't have the duplicity that was beginning to happen with the apostles. You see, when you get into political maneuverings, you become a duplicious person. You become somebody who, we're not too sure exactly where you stand, we're not too sure exactly what is going on in your mind and what you might do. You see, it becomes the cloak and dagger sort of story. And we've had many stories within, you know, as an African leader, I can tell you stories of how, of cloak and dagger stories, of how people disappear suddenly, especially around times of political change, and how people can just suddenly die. And this is the sort of thing that was, I think, the Lord Jesus Christ begins to see that, no, this is what's happening here. You need to become like the youngest. That was the first thing. And then, if you are going to be like the youngest, you're going to be like a child who just does things with a pure heart. And the greatest amongst you is the servant of all. You see, when you are serving God and you really are doing this with God's uh, agenda at the heart of it. If you have in mind the things of God, then you can really become the servant. So what the Lord is saying is, you don't, you, you don't, see, you don't have the things of God in your mind. You actually have your own agendas in your minds right now. You, they, they had no idea what God was about to do. They had no idea that they were about to witness the most important day. I would say, yes, the most important day in human history was about to unfold. And that was what was about to happen. It was much, much bigger than taking over from the Romans. This thing that they were doing was so much bigger. It's the reason why we are here today. And it's the reason why we will have 
the celebration of the meal in commemoration of the death and resurrection of the Lord. You see, they were inaugurating this thing that was, or they were at the inauguration of, of a new, um, of the kingdom of God. There was, a, there was a whole different inauguration that was happening here where the Lord Jesus Christ was ushering in a whole way of doing things. Because you see, up to then, he had been teaching them about the kingdom and how it was supposed to be done in this kingdom that he was bringing in. And right there, they were right at that. And yes, in terms of greatness, you see, the Lord did not say, did not, he didn't say that it's, 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 it's bad for you to look for greatness. He didn't say that. What he said is, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, then you must become the servant of all, the one who serves God's agenda. So the challenge that I would like to close with today is, is God's agenda on your mind? I don't know what agendas are on your mind as you lead. I've been involved in church leadership, and uh, I know the things that, the conversations that go on, and uh, some of the, <laughs> yeah, you want the numbers and so on. So sometimes people, you know, some people come in and they really feel like you really love them and you really care for them, but then they, when they get into your congregation, they realize actually you are a, they are a number. They're an extra body that was needed. Or actually, what they are is some money that you needed. There was some agenda that's, that's, that this is all about. We need to understand something. We've got an awesome responsibility. God is doing a work on this earth. And we are a part of what God is doing. Every human being that you see on this earth was put here by God for a particular purpose, for a particular reason. And ours is to join God to help people, like my friend here, who just sends a message, I want to be great. Help me on my way to greatness. Okay, well, she's been sent by the Lord. And um, we'll see how we can help her on her way to greatness. Maybe the greatness that she will see will be different from the greatness that she envisaged. Just like the apostles, the greatness that they saw involved some very painful deaths and some suffering and very different path to what they thought they were into. So let's close. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'd like us to just think about what I've said and um, ask the Lord to help us all to have his agenda in mind.